sometimes in life we learn from what not to do. I didn't really have great examples of managers that I had had. We have always been a distributed team. And I think that really gave us an advantage. I didn't have to figure out and try to create some culture built on trust and kindness and compassion and clarity because we had it. People are more agile with their choices and moving. People can move without repercussion. They can earn more money. They can sort of follow their pursuits and dreams if something isn't working for them. So how do I create this experience that feels really good for them? I want to create the best place for them to work and learn and grow so that they can work anywhere. And I think that's part of the culture of work now. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your host on the West Coast. We also have our guest is also on the West Coast, West Coast of a different state. And our guest is Amy Anderson. Amy Anderson is a widely respected creative industry leader with more than 25 years of experience at brands such as Calvin Klein, 17, and the New York Times Digital. As co-founder of Wild Coffee Marketing, she focuses on transforming businesses through a diverse set of disciplines and tailor-made teams. Last week, the Gallup Group released new stats on engagement. Half of workers are not engaged in their jobs, and engagement scores year over year are diminishing. Workers are resentful that their needs aren't being met and have lost trust in their employers, but not this employer. So today we brought on Amy, who is an expert in building engagement across her distributed team. So Amy, how are you? I'm well, Mitch. Thank you so much for having me today. That's great. And Amy, you're on the West Coast of? I'm on the West Coast of Florida, of all places. That's great. So you're in Naples. Um, great. So those stats, pretty crummy stats year over year. Um, third year, you know, after pandemic, engagement scores are, are just dying. What? Why do you think this is so? Well, it was interesting that you mentioned trust in those comments. And I do think when we're talking about engagement and we're talking about culture and employee-employer dynamics, I think trust is a really big part of it. Um, and I think that really looking at how you foster trust and your relationship with your team is the crux of where you start to look at engagement. Right. So let's, um, you know, everyone I've known who um, is leading a company and spend so much time on culture and um, spending financial resources on creating a great company. They have a, they usually have a story, an experience, but maybe a, as a not so great company. So, what's the story that inspired you to take Wild Coffee Marketing and spend so much time on the culture and make it so amazing? Well, I think sometimes in life we learn from what not to do, right? And I uh, started my career at Seventeen Magazine in New York City in the early 90s when there were no rules, really. I, mean, I think this is prior to a lot of sort of sensitivity training, managerial training, um, even harassment 
laws and, and rules in the workplace. And so it was a bit of the Wild West from a cultural perspective. Remember the two martini lunch that was alive and well in the city in the 90s. Um, and I, I, when I was about 30, I was eight years into my career, and I was reflecting on what great leaders and great managers had I had. And I could think of some pretty great dynamic CEOs I had worked for. I mean, I worked for Calvin Klein, who created this iconic brand. Um, I was part of the original group that launched NY Times Digital. But I didn't really have great examples of, of managers that I had had. And so when we started this company pre-COVID in 2017, we have always been a distributed team. And I think that really gave us an advantage through the pandemic that I didn't have to figure out and try to create some culture built on trust and kindness and compassion and clarity because we had it. Because that those are all of the elements that you need in order to keep a team engaged and create a culture because you know this is an employee market still and people have a lot of choices and especially millennials, right? And Gen Z coming into the workplace, they want to feel connected to where they work. They want to have purpose. They want to make a difference. So I think all of those things sort of contributed to, to our really strong focus on culture and a great place to work. Yeah, now you mentioned it's um, an employee mindset, an employee-driven um, economy. And you know, as we tape this, there's so many CEOs I've been talking to say that that are saying it's not. And um, and I disagree, actually disagree with them. I, I still think it is employee. So when you say it is an employee-led um, economy, what do you mean by? Well, with an unemployment rate of about 3.7%, it shows that there are a lot of choices. And I don't think the same mindset with respect to people moving jobs exists like it used to. I looked at 20 resumes yesterday. Um, we are always looking for great talent. And I see that people move around more. And I think that's part of the culture of work now, that if something's not working for someone, they're not putting on a horsehair shirt and sitting there for three years because it won't look great on the resume, right? People are more agile with their choices and moving. So we know that the culture is such that people can move without repercussion. They can earn more money. They can sort of follow their pursuits and dreams if something isn't working for them. So I know that my team of 20 has a lot of choices. So how do I create this experience that feels really good for them? I want to create the best place for them to work and learn and grow so that they can work anywhere, but that they don't want to. So tell us um, about a little bit about wild coffee marketing. Of course, the, the obvious question, why is it, why is it called wild coffee? marketing because ah. I know coffee and then <laughs> no we don't we don't and, um, well and like where your team is okay um so wild coffee actually came from a plant that was growing wildly outside of my house when I was writing my business plan it's actually wild coffee is a plant native to South Florida and it was vibrant and shiny and was growing these berries and I had to keep cutting it back with a machete and as I'm writing this plan I'm thinking wow, you know, what a great metaphor for what I'm trying to do for myself, starting a consulting firm after having been client side for all of my career. And a great metaphor for what we try to do for other companies, because we are trying to grow top line revenue. And if we're not doing that for our clients, then we shouldn't exist, right? So um, we, we don't market coffee, although I wouldn't rule it out as a client, um, given the diversity of our client roster. So if you do sell coffee, 
EY contact <laughs> copy marketing right now. Yes. Right. Well, it, absolutely. And marketing is a discipline, right? So we apply that discipline regardless of the category, regardless of the industry. Um, and it's really about generating awareness and acquiring new customers at the lower, lowest possible acquisition cost and driving top line revenue. So adding value, things like that. And we knew there had to be a better way, Mitch, like in this environment, it is really expensive to hire an in-house marketing team. The skill sets required are so vast and you have to go so deep that you end up having a doer who doesn't have the strategy piece and you still have freelancers. Or if you hire a CMO, you might not be able to afford a CMO or need one full-time. So that's really sort of at the root of what we're doing is I am passionate about helping companies grow. And I believe every company, you know, from five to a hundred million should have a CMO and have that strategy in place so that the marketing that stems from it makes sense. Yeah. So you're, you're a fractional CMO company. We are. So we're a fractional CMO company, but we also do full outsource marketing teams. So someone may come to us and say, look, I need strategy. You know, we're, we're, divesting a new product line um, and spinning this off, or we're trying to grow, or we've outgrown our current marketing function. So we'll go in and do that strategy for them. And then a plan. And then we actually have fractional teams that can carry out the plan. So that includes marketers, not just account directors or account executives, they're actual marketers. And then we have our own creative services teams. So everything from social media to content writing, to design, um, video, we have that creative team in house. So it's really strategy all the way through implementation. We're able to handle on a fractional basis. And what's, what that does is allows companies to cover all those bases, but it also lowers the cost structure. You're not paying a premium to outsource at all. Right. And so usually what, what, um, what I find fascinating is when the, when the, the client, um, is choosing a, a provider or in this term, uh, in this, this is, um, strategic marketing and, and all the things that come with it, they like to know what is the, um, what's the leader's mindset and how is the leader treating his or her team such that they know that they're going to get, you know, really good work out of them. So. What, um, what is your approach? What's your mindset when you're managing a distributed team so that they do stay engaged? Well, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about trust in creating that. I also think that accountability is a big driver too. Um, if you're being held accountable, you're going to be engaged and accountability is really driving to a result, not just a bunch of tasks. You know, but I think the more intangible part is the spirit that everybody is working together. And if we're not collaborating and cooperating and communicating, then we are not able to produce those results. Um, and it was funny, last year we had an offsite meeting and I had found a video and the video was a turtle on its back. And all of a sudden, I think Bob Seger is playing in the background. And all of a sudden you see all the other turtles run to the turtle on its back and flip it over. And I said, what an awesome analogy for what I am asking of this team and how I want them to work together because I want them to feel safe and supported, even though we are 20 people in seven states. So um, as soon as I went to click and play the video, it didn't work. 
And so three different people came running up to the front of the room to help me fix the video. And they didn't even know I was about to show turtles flipping another turtle. So it was, I said, you know, you all just demonstrated exactly what I expect. And I'm trying to create from you in the spirit of cooperation and helping each other. And then I showed them the flip the turtle video. So flip the turtle is really sort of become part of our lexicon. We were in a meeting the other day talking about onboarding a new franchise client with 50 locations who should have hired us six months ago. And so we have a lot of onboarding and catching up to do for them really quickly. And someone said, hey, guys, there's going to be a lot of flipping the turtle next week. You know, so you know that you're creating culture that has started to be ingrained in your team when it's become part of the lexicon and the language of how people talk about approaching each other. Yeah, I think I saw the video several weeks ago and it was it was impossible not to feel all this empathy and emotion for an upside down turtle. It was just, and then exactly. to watch, we, we definitely have to put the, the, the link in the notes on where you can watch a turtle being flipped. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good to, it's nice to know. And I can imagine all your swag with the upside down turtle. Oh, absolutely. All the meeting stuff this year has flipped the turtle, right? We do a lot with the animals. It's funny. Our icon for our logo is a bear. And our creative director, when she was sort of revamping our logo, which has nothing to do with a bear, said, if I could come up with a spirit animal that represents my business partner, Solomon, and me, what would it be? So she has this bear holding coffee, and there is a grizzly side of the bear, and there is a teddy side of the bear. So oh, I won't uh, say who's who. Right, <laughs> the team <okay>. knows. <laughs> do they? Yes. But it's just that, you know, like it's little things and the way in the micro interactions between your team members during the day. It's part of your symbolism as a brand. It's part of your process, right? Process is important when creating accountability. So that the left hand is talking to the right hand, right? So that no one's confused because you don't have the opportunity to walk down the hallway and say, hey, wh where are you with this? You know, and so communicating that thing up, sharing information, right? Creating process that supports so that people know where they need to be is really critical to keeping people engaged and keeping things running smoothly. And two nights ago, we found out we made the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing private companies in the US. And um, I think that, you know, we figured a few things out over the years with scaling and distributed teams. So. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. What does an accountability conversation sound like uh, on your team? When let's say someone hasn't come through what, what they promised, if that actually ever happens. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing right now you're the grizzly, Amy, but I'm just- yeah. <laughs> It's the smile, right? <laughs> um, that's a good question. You know, it doesn't, I think the communication, one thing that we do when I talk about systems and processes, we have a project management software designed for agencies like us to manage workflow, but it does something interesting at the end of the day. It triggers a reminder or a prompt that said, what did you work on today? Right. And so at the end of every day, everyone, we have nicknames for clients like DD, LS, CS. We know who they are, the initials, the acronyms. And everybody just gives a brief snapshot of what they worked on that day. So we really try to stay ahead of it. 
you know, I can see what everybody's doing. That's not a micromanaging technique. That's our, you know, and I'll send, you know, I call them love notes, which is probably not professional or appropriate, but I, you know, I, that's what I call them in my head, uh, is I'll send love notes to people and say, wow, like what a day yesterday. I can't believe you got through that skiff project that we had been working on for three weeks or way to close that. And, and so I think that sharing information helps you acknowledge and helps you have some visibility about what's going through the organization. The other is our Friday team meeting. I really believe in being together in person. So we fly everyone in once a year, fly our senior team in once a quarter and an all team meeting every Friday at 11 a.m. And what that does Say that again for um, people that didn't catch it. That is a wonderful practice. So share that. Like if you just do that, you're going to be very successful as a distributed company. So again, what is, um, what, what means do you have on a basis? Yeah. So the cadence once a year, everyone, because it's a big investment to fly in everyone. We have team members in Seattle, California, Virginia, Boston, uh, Texas. So we fly everyone in once a year. And we asked them last year, what do you want to get out of this meeting? Like, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to learn? I'll ask them sooner than at the meeting this time. And 90% of them said, we really just want to spend time together and have a lot of fun. So to be activity-based in that, right? So we went, you know, this year, I think we're going bowling, we're doing karaoke, you know, not just meetings and dinner. I think we should be creative and sort of unleash activities that help everyone be together. Then once a quarter, uh, and this is an EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System uh, cadence, once a quarter, we do a quarterly planning meeting, looking back on the last quarter, looking ahead at the next quarter, and we fly the senior team in once a quarter, full day of meetings and dinner. And that really helps us look like we can do some postmortems on some projects, we can look at results, and we're very transparent with revenue numbers about hours, new client pipeline. I believe in that. Everybody should know their company's doing well or if they're at risk, what's happening, what are the challenges? Because they want to contribute to that and help. And then every Friday, whole team meeting virtually on Zoom. And what's important about that meeting is that we do an icebreaker at the beginning of every meeting. Typically, it's what's your best business moment of the week and what is your best personal moment? Because I want to see what, what are they proud of? What did they accomplish? What lights them up? What is their highlight of their work? And oftentimes they talk about the collaboration bitch. It's so interesting. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we call them pods instead of teams. We had a cross pod collab meeting and we got to share all these ideas and, and it was really fun. And I got to dive deep into a client. So I see, wow, these cross pod meetings, this collaboration is important. How can I foster more of that for them? And then good personal, I want to know what's going on in their lives. I want to know what's happening with their families, what their plans are, you know, what they love to do, what concerts they're going to, what they do in their spare time so I can know them because I care about them. I'm honored they have chosen to work with us on this stop in their careers. That's important to me. I love that. So I just, um, I'm reading a book on rituals and we're going to have, uh, we're going to have um, someone on in a couple of weeks about rituals. And it sounds like what you've done is created some incredible rituals. I love the um, ritual of at the, at the end of the day, what have you accomplished? So that you can send love notes. I think love notes is great. We're actually going to have someone on the podcast who's going to talk about love and leadership. So I'm all for love. Yeah, I think that's great. Mm, that's so great. And it's funny that we try to separate the love 
from our professional, like, and I do love them. Like they're amazing human beings. And I think that's part of being a great leader. And what's so important to me about the culture we've created is seeing people in their full humanity. They are not employees or team members even. They are human beings who made a choice to trust me to help them guide them and lead a company to support their families for their survival in some ways, right? So I think it's interesting that I'll, you know, you know, I'm even just reflecting on separating love from that, but that is how I feel about them, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of the things I've been listening to recently is, is yeah, so we, we all meet, we all share what's most important in our lives, and then we get work done. And then I'm thinking, that is the work. You know, that is the work, which is making those, making those connections. Um, are there any other practices that you do that um, helps keep engagement high uh, amongst your team? Absolutely. 90 day reviews. I'm in the middle of the, my best business today in our meeting this morning was I love doing these reviews. And do you remember the days of um, annual reviews? <laughs> you know, those, those confound me now. I'm like, wait, I used to go into those reviews. And I think, wait, did you, did you just withhold this feedback from me for one year? For 11 months and 29 days, right? Yeah, because you could have told me that 11 months and 29 days ago that I had an opportunity for growth, right? So I do not believe in annual reviews. Um, I believe in 90-day reviews. And we have a really, really fun format that we use. They're goal-oriented, right? Are you living our core values? Have you, um, are, are our clients happy? Are you growing top-line revenue? Then we do our goals for the next quarter. So they come to us and they say, this is what I want to accomplish in the next 90 days. We talk about those together. Are they feasible? Sometimes they are a little too ambitious. I'll pull them back from some of them. Did you accomplish your goals from last quarter? We go through those. Then we ask them on a scale of one to 10, what is your energy rating? And I love this piece because I'm genuinely curious how they are doing. If they are at a 10, amazing. How do we keep you there? If you're at an eight, how do I get you to a 10 and why? So I think that those, uh, it allows for conversation, which is what I believe a review needs to be, uh, about where they are and how I can help get them to this sort of optimal level of performance, happiness. Someone in the review yesterday said job, eight, management, 10, company, 10. And I said, okay. This is awesome. Let's talk about the job at eight. What's happening? You know, and the quality of the creative briefs were maybe declining a little bit, or there was a little bit of chaos and a process that wasn't working, but how awesome to be able to have that, give them a voice about what works, what they need. And I think we all need to look at what our team needs, because ultimately if we're running a business, you know, let's optimize our amazing, valuable team members, right? And make sure that their, their needs are met. Yeah, I love that. I love that practice of, of asking your energy. Also, even being able to go back, like, okay, so last quarter you at this, and it's gone down or it's gone up. You know, just to look at that and, and for the for each employee to know that my boss really cares about my energy because that's really um, at the core of who I am. Right. It could be a five, and they could say, you know what, I'm having trouble at home, and why shouldn't we know that? You know, or, you know, we just had a team member go through a major life change with a divorce. I'm so glad I knew. And if she was at a five, I would know she's struggling. So my goal is how can I support you through this as your employer, knowing that it's temporary and also from a business perspective, ensuring that we don't have any gaps. Right. Um, and that that's 
really, really important. And that's flipping the turtle, right? Like, hey, team member here in, in this pod is struggling right now. How can we go flip the turtle for her while she gets through this? And, you know, nobody wants to work in a place where you sort of suffer alone or you have to keep things secret or people don't care what you think. And in those reviews too, Mitch, we ask, I'd like to do more of, I'd like to do less of, I love doing this. I hate doing this, right? Our director of brand strategy and content inevitably says math. Don't give her math. Really? How funny. Yeah, she really, math's always on there. But I, that's how I discovered that somebody I didn't know loved doing PowerPoints and Google slide documents and decks. You know, you unearth, people are good at what they love and people love what they're good at, right? So when when you're asking these, com and these are every 90 days, this isn't once during onboarding, you know, because that could shift too. So um, we just did those for the quarter this week and, and there were just some really, really powerful conversations. You have been distributed for the duration of your company? Correct. Yes. Correct. Okay. So you were early, early on the game with the rituals that really find people, create connection and, and create engagement. Yeah. We were concentrated in Southeast Florida at first and we would see each other, but still then we didn't see each other that much. We were working so hard and clients are on client sites. Zoom did, or COVID actually helped us without having to spend as much time in person. But now I was in Atlanta for two days this week with a client and an executive team meetings because we do sit in the C-suite in our engagements. And gosh, you know, it was just a reminder how valuable that time is together. If we could afford the disruption in the business and to fly everyone in twice a year, I would. And maybe we will drive to that. You know, that's a goal. Have your clients ever asked you, gosh, Amy, is there something going on in your company that we that we should know about that's going to really help us with our company? Oh, absolutely. Um, since we sit in the C-suite of our companies, marketing has a much different position within companies now because a lot of times we own the data and the customer experience, right? Yes. And, you know, when it's a digital first environment, marketing is very important in collaboration with other teams. So we ask to go to executive meetings of our clients and we do. We, we present to the board. We sit in, in that and we are able to share how we run our company and sort of our leadership culture and have that sort of bleed into our client engagements. And, and we're very honest. That's what we're there to be paid for. We were on a client meeting recently. It was an all company meeting and no one was on camera. Very few people were. Um, and, you know, we talked about we are a camera on culture. If, and we just always have been. It wasn't something that we said, when you work for Wild Coffee, you must be on camera. We just always were. And we don't have a culture where you flip on and off or you come to a meeting and you're not. I, I really want to see you. I do not expect you to be in full regalia. I mean, it's not that. It's just I want to be able to look in your eyes and see how you are and read body language and things like that. So I do, you know, we have shared with them, you know, if you could drive towards a more on-camera culture, we think it'll help this team be a bit more engaged and accountable too. You know, and to end on that note, I, I do think that every great leader or makes a great leader great is taking their culture of whatever they're doing and you're doing marketing and then being in conversation with other teams and basically saying, hey, let me nudge you a little bit to be a greater company um, outside of what you're paying me to do. Right. Well, people want to do business with happy people. And people want to do business with engaged companies. And I think it shows when my team shows up, 
with great body language and engaged and enthusiastic and having that energy, it's sort of, it, it's contagious. And my mentor at iVillage in New York, Nancy Evans, who was Jackie O's former editor at Random House and just an incredible woman. I watched her almost evangelize in meetings. And, and I do think like before you, before you click your camera on, on Zoom or Teams, whatever you're using, or before you walk into a room, I think it's really important to sort of check your energy and ask yourself where you are, what you're bringing into the room, and, and is it positive, and is it engaging? As a leader, I think that we need to bring our best when we're in front of our team. That's beautiful. Where can we find you in this world ah. with bears and turtles and <laughs> teddy bears and, and every other animal? Me and my animal kingdom, right? Uh, so uh, wildcoffeemarketing.com is sort of our, our website home. Um, and we're actually publishing a lot of interesting content there and on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I'm Amy Anderson at Wild Coffee on LinkedIn. Um, there's a whole blog article about Flip the Turtle and sort of how we're creating that. Um, and so people can read a little bit more about how we have that in action. Um, and then we love for people to call us and just sort of do a consultation and talk to us about your marketing challenges and how we might be able to help. And um, if you're looking to build a team, maybe outsourcing makes more sense. Um, but we sort of run the gamut for all those projects. Great. Well, this has been a delight. And I want to thank you. I'm so glad we got connected. And uh, we did wild, wild coffee marketing. Look for the grizzly, look for the teddy. Thank you so much. If you've loved this episode, which I have, uh, so much. Please share this episode with your friend, your family, your colleagues, and we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.